and welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. We hope today, as you listen to this week's content, that you grow in your faith and in your relationship with God. Connect more with us by going to ardmoresummit.church and remember to love God, love people, and love life. This morning, I want to talk to you about the life of David looking at chaos in the kingdom. Chaos in the kingdom. We have some started outlines. I want you to take notes today. I'm going to be going over a lot of material, and I want you to be blessed by this message, although it is kind of a difficult topic, because today we're going to talk about the difficulties of family. Woohoo! Yeah, yeah. How many of you have crazy in your family? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Don't look at the person to your left or right. I just ask, they're in your family somewhere. Come on, raise your hand. I want to see. I want to see. Now, everybody look around. You're not the only ones. Now, if you didn't raise your hand, there's a good chance that you are the crazy in your family. Right? You are the crazy one in your family, but all of us have family stuff, family issues. We've all had to deal with just family stuff. I can't tell you how many times as a pastor I have met with very mature Christians, very mature Christians, siblings, brother, sister, parents, children, grandparents, grandkids, whatever it is, and there's friction, there's fighting, there's issues. This is not a new thing. It's been going around since Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. This has been going around since the dawn of time, and it's going to continue to go around until all of us are glorified in our heavenly saying. Amen? Family. Family. For David, the kingdom was his domain, but his family was messed up. Yes, this is the same David who was anointed as king, chosen by God. The same David who slayed Goliath. The same David who led men into battle. The same David who who danced before the Lord as they brought the Ark of the Covenant. This is the same David who was a man after God's own heart. The same David who was the man didn't do the best job as a dad. The same David that we say, man, if I could have just an ounce of his courage. That same David messed up in some pretty big ways as a father. So if you're a mom or dad here today, grandparent, aunt, uncle, whatever, you need to realize that even great people, great men and women make mistakes. And I know that this can be a heavy, difficult uh, sermon because we're going to look at David's situation. We're going to look at his kids and how there was probably more drama with David's family that you will ever face, assuming so. But there's some things that we can look out, look at as a cautionary tale. Don't let this happen to your family. For David, there was a great deal of blessing from the Lord, but there was also a great deal of chaos in the kingdom. Now, admittedly, if you go to that slide, next slide, I'm not going to read these scriptures, but I want you to write them down. And this week, I want you to read these chapters, 2 Samuel 13 and 2 Samuel 18. That'll give you a picture because honestly, I'm going to cover several years 
words of chaos in this morning's message. And I would literally spend the entire time just reading the text. I want you to read the text on your own time um, and read the first couple of chapters of First Kings. You'll see a little bit of that too. But I want you to simply have these because I'm going to be going very, very fast through the chaos in the kingdom. You can go to that next slide. Family issues plagued the house of David in David's later years. The end of David's life was plagued by family problems. David had many wives. He had many concubines. And with that comes many problems. That Don't misread what I just said. The Bible loves marriage. God is a romantic. God's all about marriage. Right? He, he said it's not good for man to be alone. For this reason, a husband shall join his wife. Singular. Wife. We talked about this in small group this past week. We even talked about it on men's trip of all things. When, when we talked about this issue, what, why, are, why does it seem like these great men of God are practicing other cultural practices around them and not being faithful to what he did? Well, does God not see that? Yes, God sees that. He's not pleased with it either. But he allows it just like he allows us to have a will to make choices and we live with the consequences of that. So, guys, it's good for a man to be married, but it's good for a man to have one wife. Ladies, it's good to find your husband singular. So, so just in case you, you, you hear of anybody that's like, hey, I'm, I'm in a relationship with five guys and three ladies, and, and we're married, say, you know what? Nothing good can come of that. <laughs> Nothing good can come of that. And David saw that. You see, it, it wasn't as if David was just bored and thought, well, I'll go find another wife. Most of this was for political reasons. Most of this was, I'm going to make a treaty with that king over there. He's got a daughter. And so in those days, they would simply marry, and, and, and that was that. And uh, There's young ears in the room. You can use your imagination, but I'm sure there were other reasons why that this was going on. But it's simply to say, this was not a good deal. It brought about chaos. Which is kind of the first rule before we even get to the people in the story is this. If you don't do things God's ways, chaos is guaranteed. If we don't do things God's way, chaos is inevitable. God does not want us to live in chaos, in confusion. He doesn't want us to live in that. He wants us to live in the way that he's called us to live. And with that comes peace. All right? There may be hardships, but there can be peace in the hardships. And so chaos comes about when we try to do things our way, the world's way, and not God's ways. Well, let's jump into a few of the characters in the story. First of all, David has a son. Go to that one's name, Amnon. Say Amnon. Amnon. Amnon is his firstborn. He, he is his firstborn son. You can read the story. I'm going to go over this very quickly. Forgive me if I say some things that are kind of shocking and say them rather quickly, but I'm going to do it for time's sake. But Amnon was his firstborn, and Amnon had bad friends. He's the prince, but he gets surrounded with the wrong people. And Amnon has a thing for his half-sister. And as you read the story, he says, I would sure love to be with her, but 
that can't happen. And his friends convince him to, to develop a scheme to make it happen. And he forcefully takes his sister Tamar. Immediately after, the Bible says that Amnon is disgusted by her. He can't even look at her because of what he's just done to her. You talk about chaos in a family. This was, this was no like thing at Thanksgiving dinner. Somebody says, well, I know we're all Sooners fans, but I've decided to become a Texas Longhorn fan. This is no, this is, I mean, to me, that would be a big deal. I'd have to talk with my daughter about that. But, but you know, but this is no small thing. This is, my son just did that to my daughter. This is David we're talking about here. This is a big deal. And Amnon has to live with this. He commits a horrible act against someone he should have loved and cared for and protected. But he does the unthinkable and he has to live with himself and he's disgusted by her. Well, this makes the next one on the screen. This makes Absalom quite mad. Because Tamar is Absalom's sister. And here's the amazing thing. David, frankly, doesn't do much about it. It's his firstborn son, and he's conflicted here. And what do I do here? Absalom, the Bible says that he is charming. He is, he is the most handsome man. He's like David, but maybe even a little more potential. This is, this is like David 2.0 on the scene. Absalom schemes, and he kills his brother Amnon, for what he did to Tamar. By the way, if you look through the Old Testament, it's interesting how even the name associated with the person, Tamar, that name has a certain act associated with it. Isn't that a fascinating thought? But, but he's, he's charming and, and, and he's ready to, to bring about justice, but he does it in his own way, goes against the way of David, and he, he, he kills Amnon to avenge what he did to Tamar. Which most of us can sit back and say, I kind of understand that. But here's what's ironic. Later, Absalom does the same thing to David's wives that Amnon did to his sister. Isn't that ironic? He's in his way. He's doing this thing. Not only that, he kind of enjoys this thought of, man, I can just get rid of anybody I want. You know what? I'm going to be king someday. Why don't I just get rid of my own father? The Bible says that Absalom sought to kill David, to forcibly take the throne. Chaos in the kingdom. The third son, David's son, if you go to that next one, is Adonijah. Say Adonijah. You know the word Adonai. Adonai means Lord. Jah is short for Yahweh. And so the Lord is God is this young man's name. The Bible says, if you look at it in the scripture, that Adonijah was never disciplined. He was a little goody-goody prince that had everything handed on. Anybody seen that movie, The Emperor's New Groove? It's just spoiled, right? Just a spoiled brat. This is Adonijah. Adonijah was spoiled brat. David never disciplined him. Moms, dads, discipline is good for keeping peace. Amen. <laughs> discipline actually keeps peace. That's not only true for a society. 
That's not only true for, for helping keep a church unified, but that's true for your own four walls of your house. Discipline keeps peace. But Adonijah was not unlike the other brothers, and he says, you know what? I want the throne. Absalom wanted the throne, and he sought up a big group of people to try to ascend the throne. And the Bible says that Absalom, you remember the story? His hair was caught in the thicket riding on his mule. And some of David's men came and killed him while he was suspended in the air. So he's out of the picture, and Adonijah says, well, Absalom's not going to be king. Amnon's dead. I can be king. I can be king, right? Just like Simba running through the safari. Oh, I just can't wait. Yeah, yeah, you guys know that. Uh, but he tried to take the kingship. He tried to take the throne. But he did it in David's later years. The Bible says, and I'm not making this story up. It's right there. David, the Bible says that David in his later years was laying in bed and he, he couldn't even get warm from the blankets. And so they brought in a young, a young woman named Abishag, who was a Shunammite woman, to simply lay with David in bed to keep him warm. The Bible specifies there was nothing wrong that happened between them, but she was just simply his Abishag, his heating blanket. Okay? That, that, that's what the Bible says. This is a man who can't even get warm from blankets. He's on his last leg. By the way, I knew, I knew a man who we went to visit in the nursing home, and he was laying there. Him and his wife shared a room. And this man, I can see him to this day. He had silver, silver hair, good-looking guy. He was in his 80s. And they said, how are you doing? I won't say his name. How are you doing, brother? He said, good, but I got to get me an Abishag. I just can't get warm in this place. <laughs> And his wife is sitting there, get you an Abishag. But David's old. And Adonijah says, you know what? He, he, let me just do it. I, I think I can take the throne. In fact, I'll just get a whole big party. We'll have a big celebration. And I can just declare myself king. Now, follow me with this. We're, we're going through a lot of history. But follow me on this. David is just the second king of Israel. This is still a relatively young nation. Amen? It's not like they have like 300 years of precedent. So everybody's kind of like, maybe I'm next to be king. Maybe you're going to be king. Maybe I can just declare myself king. If you think the chaos from November 20 or 2019 to January 2020 was crazy, it's nothing what Israel was going through. So Adonijah gets all these people and tells them, I'm king. They're like, oh, okay. Let's, okay, you're the king. So they're going and having a party. And then a number of things happen. You can read the story yourself, but turns out he doesn't become king. Solomon, David's son with Bathsheba, is king. They're having the party. Adam and I just having a party with his friends, and all of a sudden they hear a great roar in the distance. I said, what is going on? We were having a party, but I, we hear them louder than us. And somebody comes and says, uh, Solomon's just been declared king by David. This whole thing is a facade. And Adonijah goes, whoops. Guess I should have like asked before I declared myself king. Chaos. Chaos upon chaos upon chaos. Not only that, Adonijah goes to Solomon and says, I'm sorry. 
your king. By the way, Solomon wasn't invited to the party. Which tells you that Adonijah kind of thought, yeah, he probably would be king. Solomon forgives him and says, but don't you ever try to ascend the throne again. What's the next thing Adonijah does? He goes to Bathsheba and says, give me Abishag for my wife. Which is a way of him saying, I'm going to ascend the throne again. And he's put to death. Three of David's son are put to death. Chaos. I don't know about you, but when I read this story, it's not just a Game of Thrones type environment. And I'm like, well, that would never happen. But I got news for you. There are, there are families filled with people that in the right conditions, they start competing with each other. They start getting careless. There's no discipline. And what happens when there's no discipline is there's no peace. People start stepping on each other. There's all these back channels of people talking behind each other's back. And I can tell you right now, as far as I'm concerned, for me and my house, we're not going to play those games. What about you? I don't want to play those games. The Bible says that David didn't discipline his son. Maybe it's because David didn't receive the most affection as a child. Do you remember when his brothers were brought in before Samuel and lined up, David was left out in the field. It could have been like that. It could have been simply that, man, I've just, boys, I've got so much going on at work right now. I'm going to get to this at another time. Just, just go talk to your mom. Your, your mom's over there. Your mom's over there. Your mom's over there. Right? Um, if that may be how it is, it just go talk to your mom. Go, go deal with it. Maybe it was just he was too busy. Maybe the pressure of being king was just like, that's my bigger priority. And my, what's happening in my house, I'm going to deal with when it becomes a big problem. Let me tell you something. A little problem becomes a big problem like that. Amen? So what do we do about it? Let's look at a few tips here. Next slide. Write these down. A godly family must not be, number one, competitive. A godly family must not be competitive. This is true for a church, by the way. There's no place for competition in a church. There's no place for competition in a home. It's amazing to me. I know brothers are a little bit competitive. I know sisters can definitely be competitive with each other. But there comes a point when you think, we're not eight years old anymore. I'm not going to fight you for your red pickup truck toy. There comes a point when you start looking at this and saying, I have a brother. I have a sister. Why would I be competitive with it? Secondly, a godly family must not be complacent. Complacent. That doesn't mean you have to have a family meeting every week. Once a day, dad's calling us in for a family meeting, right? My, my son, Roman, anytime I say something, he goes, but, but we're family. That's what his thing is right now. But, but we're family. Is this, I'm, I'm supposed to let everything slide. Yeah, it's because we're family I'm going to talk to you. It's because I love you that we need to have a meeting. It's because I love you that we can't get, we can't get soft here. We can't get complacent. Complacent is when everything is so stagnant and, and you don't want anything to change whatsoever that you just let this this pool of water just fester over until it's absolutely ruined and poisoned. And you say, well, yeah, there's no change. Yeah, but there's no life. I would rather have life and have to have the water stirred a little bit 
than to just become complacent and stagnant. Husbands and wives, talk it out. Talk. Communicate. Don't be afraid of that. Don't become so complacent. You can talk about those things. You better talk about those things. David should have sat down with Bathsheba and said, look, I'm, I know 30 years ago I did something, but, but we've got to move past this. We've got to move past this. Complacency can destroy a marriage. It can destroy a family. Number three, you still with me today? Number three, a godly family must not be careless. Indifferent. Whatever happens, happens. I'm not going to step in. I'm going to stay out of it. Now, there is a time to stay out of it. But there's a time to care. To step into it. And say, wait a minute. Brother, sister, mom, dad, son, daughter, cousin, whatever you, whatever family member it is. We need to talk about this. Because I care. I've known many people who have said sharp words to me, but I took it because I knew they cared. And I've known people who say nothing but flattering things, but I don't believe that they actually care. If you, if you really cared, I'm talking about family, not you all. I love you all. <laughs> if you really cared, you'll speak the truth. Don't be afraid to speak the truth. Be tactful. <laughs> don't grab the Bible and start hitting somebody upside the head. Say, you loser, I've been holding this in for 20 years. I'm going to let it out in 20 minutes. No, don't do that. Be tactful. <laughs> but, but care. Care. Amen? And then the last one is this. Conniving. You'll have to look up at the screen because I had to spell check that one. <laughs> conniving. David's sons were conniving. His firstborn schemed how to get with his sister. The second one, uh, uh, Absalom, schemed and connived how to kill his own father and ascend the throne himself. The, uh, the other one, Adonijah, schemed about how he could go behind David's back and get the throne. Can, can we end with this? Listen to me, church. Scheming? Trying to do things through shortcuts and not the right way never works. It never works. Musicians, if you come, conniving. You say, man, those are four obvious words that a family shouldn't have. But I got news for you. Even the best of us are prone to these, tempt these temptations. Even the best families, the greatest men and women of God are prone to jockeying for a little bit of a better look, a little bit better position. I love my family. I'm not in competition with them. What did Jesus do when he came? He said, son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. That's who God is. God shares his glory. God shares his love. He's quick to forgive. He looks over a multitude of our sins. Can I get an amen? Jesus wasn't competitive. He said, I've come to serve you. Even the disciples who are always getting like things a little bit off, he 
reached down and he washed their feet and served them. Humility can set a family on a path to absolute blessing. Humility. Complacency. Don't ever get stuck. Don't ever get to those places where you're just, uh, we're just soft and I don't really want to deal with that issue. No, deal with the issues. Do it because if not, it's going to come out. Third, you've got to care. Fight for your kids because I guarantee you, if you don't, there's a world ready to fight for them. I hit. If you don't fight for your kids and teaching them truth, there is a line of people waiting outside this graduation when they get to college. There's a line of people ready to shape them and to care for them and to tell them you need to do things our way. Care. And then lastly, connive. No schemes. Don't strategize. I, I, I know y'all have never done this, but I know you're ready to have an argument with a family member, so you're prepping, like in the shower, thinking exactly what you're going to say, and you're like doing a chess match. Okay, if they say this, I'm going to say this. And when they bring that thing up, I'm going to bring this thing up. None of y'all have ever done that, right? Don't do it. Drop it. See, I'm, I'm going to get everything out in the open. I'm going to be real with people, especially my family. I want to do this. If you'd stand with me today, I want to pray over you and your family. I want to pray for you and your marriage. I want to pray for your kids. I want to pray for your extended family. I, I, I want to pray for even people that they may not be blood, but, but, but they're, they're, cool. they're like family. I want to pray for strong relationships and for chaos to be gone. Can we do that today? Can we rally around and then just lift our hands and say, God, we're going to declare peace in my kingdom and not chaos. Can we do that? Come on, let's lift our hands and let's pray right now for that. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Summit Church Podcast. We hope today you enjoyed the content and what God was speaking to you today. Again, we'd love to connect with you more by going to ardmoresummit.church. Join us Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. in Ardmore, Oklahoma at 1725 North Commerce Street. Take care and be blessed.